All right, so if you haven't been with us, and this is your first time here or your first time joining us online, let me tell you what we're talking about um, and maybe tell you why I'm wearing this jersey. So you didn't know it's Super Bowl Sunday, right? And so the idea is when your team never makes it to the Super Bowl, right, you wear a shirt believing that you can will it into existence for the next year. So that's, that's one thing. So we wear them every year hoping that something will change. But the idea is we're doing a series called Live Different, and this is the synopsis. I'm not going to go into detail what we talked about. If you want to go back, you can go back and watch it online. Um, you can either do it through our app or you can go on to our YouTube channel, uh, which is hope we what you subscribe to. You can watch uh, the previous series to get caught up. But this is the idea. If you call yourself a Christian, you can't live in a world where your life doesn't change, right? The idea is, is that if you are a Christian, you should live differently. Now, the question always becomes, how should we live differently, right? And what does it look like to live different? Because I think a lot of times, we pick things that the world is already doing, right? Like, we think sometimes as Christians, if we feed hungry people, right? Well, there's a lot of people that don't know Jesus that are feeding hungry people, right? We think that if we go and we serve people, right, that, that, uh, that somebody is going to look at that and say, oh, there's a difference. I know a lot of people, sometimes even more, that don't love Jesus that serve people more, right? Like you see that. So the question always becomes, what is different then? So what is different in Christianity? Because this is the idea. Scripture tells us through our good deeds, through the things that we do, the world will know who Jesus is. So what are those good things? What are those differences? And that's what we're gonna be focusing on. So the past three weeks, we've been talking about different things that it's gonna be, but this week, we're gonna talk about relationships. You excited? And not only relationships in general, guess what else we're gonna talk about? Who you should marry and who you're married to. That good? Right? The idea behind it. So what I want to do is I want to give you some foundations, and I teach this. So anytime that I stole this from the children's ministry, I hope they didn't need it today. Um, so I teach this relationship concept uh, to people that I'm coaching, or I talk about it in general terminology when it comes to uh, when I do marriage counseling with people. And here's the idea, right? So everybody has a box right? And this box develops when you are young, right? And this box is called your hopes and dreams, right? So when you're a kid, you start growing up and you start putting things in this box. These are my hopes, like for me. So when I was a kid, my, my dad farmed, and so I thought, I want to be a farmer, right? So back then, you could be a small farmer, like you could have tractors without calves, and small amount of animals, you know, and you could still actually be a farmer. So the idea is I wanted to be a farmer. So my dad went out, and he never really did animals, but they did, you know, a small amount of land, and I thought, well, if I want to be a farmer, I want to do animals. So I decided when I was 13 years old that I was going to be a pig farmer, right? And I was going to get sows, and I was going to get a boar, and I was going to raise baby pigs. Now, now that, it, that I have a larger operation, I'm thinking, what an idiot. Does anybody do these things? You know, but the idea was I was going to get five sows, 
right? And I was going to get a boar, and I was going to farrow these five sows, and it's going to raise these baby pigs, and somebody was actually going to buy them, right? And so hopes and dreams. And someday that I was going to farm with my dad, hopes and dreams. And then as I got older, I decided, you know what? I love football, so I want to be a football player, right? So I decided that I wanted to play, and not only did I want to play, I wanted to play college football, right? Like that was part of my hopes and dreams. And then I learned, you know, over time that I wanted to be a hunter because I had never been introduced to hunting, so I thought, like, I want to be a hunter, and so I put that in the box, and then I also wanted to be a, a guy that shot uh, long-range rifle stuff because my father-in-law introduced me to some stuff, so I put that in there. So you just keep building this box of hopes and dreams, right, which is what all of us should be doing right now. Here's the relationship principle that I want to teach you. You should always have a hopes and dreams box, but when the hope and dream box turns into an expectation box, then we start to have relationship problems, right? And let me explain to you how that works, right? So the idea, right, if you think about this, this is in every relationship. We all have hopes and dreams, right? But if hopes and dreams turn into expectations, so here's where expectation is, and here's where reality is, you know what's in between expectations and reality? Disappointment, right? If this is expectation and this is reality, everything in between there is disappointment. So here's the idea. So this is how it works in the beginning. So in the beginning, this is, this is how we see it, right? So in the beginning, we as kids and our parents tell us dream and gaff hopes and process and do, and, and then all of a sudden we're like, yes, we want that. And then all of a sudden we flip the box around and now the box isn't just dreams, the box is expectations, right? So I'm, I am going to be a pig farmer. I am going to be a farmer. I am going to be a football player. I am going to have all of these things. And guess what, mom and dad? You're going to make it happen for me. Right? So you, sorry, I didn't know if you want me to put that box on you. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you, you take it and now all of a sudden these hopes and dreams turn into expectations. So guess what parents want to do? Come on, parents. Nobody wants their kids to be disappointed, do they? You're all like, I don't care, those little suckers. I'm not giving them anything. <laughs> That's not true. What do we as parents always do? We want to help your dreams come. Give me your box, right? Give me your box. What do you expect of me? We're going to drive you there, give you this money, help you in this process. I'll do it all for you, right? And so we, we do that. And again, I don't think we do it maliciously. I just think we do it because we love our kids, right? We do it because naturally what's inside of each one of us is this idea that even in our own boxes, we want our kids to love us. We want our kids to need us. We want people to need us. We want people to see us. We want people. So the way that we can do it, just give me your box, right? And so all of a sudden, we start raising a generation of young people that have this box. It's not just hopes and dreams anymore. Now it's expectations. So guess what happens, right? So they grow up with this idea that they have all of these hopes and dreams and the ways that they want to do anything, and now it becomes expectations, and now they have had somebody as a parent fulfill their expectations, okay? So guess what you learn to do? That's what you learn to do. You learn to carry your box on beyond your parents, right? Guess what you carry it into? Your friendships, right? This is the way it works. You take your box, and you go up, and you're like, I got to find a friend. I got a friend. Do you want to be like me? I know I can put this on you, right? 
Like, do you want to be like me? This is what's in my box. Do you like what's in my box? Can you, can you, can you and I get along? And you know how I know we can get along? Is because your box and my box match. So we pick friends. Our expectation is to pick people who are like us or will help us get what's in our box. Does that make sense? Right now, is that a big problem? Right? You get a clique of friends, they're all kind of together. Is that like the end of the world? Eh, not really, right? But take it this far. So then you start dating somebody. Anybody? Right? And so when you start dating somebody, what do you think the first thing that you do is? Right? Well, it's probably not the first thing because you'd probably run them off, but you bait them in, right? Like you get them in, like you get them to like you and you get them to think that you're an okay kind of guy. And then you're like, and here's my box. <laughs> can, you, can, you meet, can you meet all of my needs? Can you help me with all these things? Can, can, you, can you make, right? You, you start off, you're really nice and you're like, can you, can you make my dreams come true? And then you know what it turns into when you get married? You are gonna make my dreams come true. <laughs> Come on, has anybody lived this, right? Like this, this is the way that it works. Like we carry all these boxes and you know what else happens? You don't just carry it into a marriage relationship. You know what else you carry it into? Your relationship with God. How many people have a box and they have an expectation? Like they started with this hopes and dreams of what they hoped God would be and then they came to know Christ and then when they came to know Christ, they're like, I, I want you to do this for me and I want you to do this for me. And again, I don't think anybody does this stuff maliciously, right? They just like, I want this, I need this, you can fix this, if you'd make these things happen, if you do these things. And then all of a sudden, we take this box into our relationship with God, and guess what happens when God doesn't meet your expectation? When you give in the box, right? You give in the box and say, here's the things that I expect of you, but what happens when he doesn't meet it? We become severely disappointed, right? And here's what we do. And you're gonna, you'll learn this through what we're gonna try to figure out today. We just don't dump our box out. You know what we do? We take our box to somebody else or to something else. Does that make sense? Right? So if it's not in a friendship, like if you do a friendship and you, you give them their box and then all of a sudden you, you're disappointed with that friendship, you don't just dump out your box, do you? You just take it to somebody else that will meet your need. How about your marriage? Nobody's gonna say yes because your wife's beside you, but think about this, right? Like if, if your wife is not meeting your needs, expectations, what do you do? I don't do anything, I just sit there and pray about it. <laughs> what do you do? Can you do it? Can you do it? And I'm not even saying necessarily that they take it to another woman. They just find it somewhere else. Right? I'm not saying that they just go somewhere else and automatically try to get it out of another woman. They go and try to figure it out because their idea of relationships is all about transaction. Right? That's what happens, right? Relationship is all about transaction. And I would even say this, right? This whole idea that when you look at this box and you look at relationships, there are sometimes we can even mask the things that we do. Like I think sometimes people serve people, but you know why they serve people? Not because of God, because they're a people pleaser, it fills their box. 
right? Like people that would say, you know, you'll do this and, you know, because if you're looking, because this is the thing that I would tell you as we're looking at this in relationships, I would tell you there's some things that you need to look for inside of a person. But just so you know, people can hide it pretty well. Like people can mask things that they're doing to throw things honestly just back into their box and it still comes back to the same thing. I'll do it, even help you if it gives me what I need. If it helps me feel good about myself, if it helps this whole idea that it's really good because when, I, when I'm a people pleaser, somebody asks me and I meet a need, guess what it does? Pleases people, right? And you just keep filling up that box. So the idea that we're going into or the things that we're talking about, if you wanna do relationships differently, it's not that you can't have a box, right? Sometimes I think this is where people get confused. It doesn't mean that you can't have hopes and dreams. It doesn't mean that you can't have like these things that you're hoping God will do or hoping will happen inside of your marriage or hoping they'll happen inside of your relationships or hope all of these things are gonna come true. But when you turn hopes and dreams into expectations that you use as transactions for relationships, it is not gonna go well. That is no, that's the difference. You wanna know what the difference is in relationships? So the difference in relationships based upon what scripture says to what the world is, does, is that you always have a box, but these box, this box that you carry around, you don't have relationships with people based upon this. You have relationships that, that with people based upon what scripture says, and that's what we're gonna talk about, right? Because most of the time in the world, whether we wanna admit this or not, most of our relationships are transactional. Anybody, right? Like just a lot of them, right? I'm not saying all of them, but there are a lot of relationships that as long as you get what you need, you'll do what? You'll give back, right? And that seems normal, doesn't it? Doesn't it seem normal that you shouldn't like give all the time and never get anything back? I mean, wouldn't the world call you a fool if you keep giving and never get anything back? Yeah, absolutely. The world's going to look at the things that you're doing. They're going to say, are you an idiot? Why would you keep giving if you don't get anything in return? Well, Scripture's going to teach us in relationships in general and then in relationships when it comes to marriage, the idea is that if your relationship love is conditional, it will never work based upon what he says. Because here's what he's saying. He is saying this, if you want the world, because this is what the Bible says, the world will know that you are my disciples by the way that you love. That's what he says. If you want to be, be a witness into the world, if you want to show Jesus Christ into the world, we've got to figure out when he says love one another, what does that really mean and how can we do it? Because what he's talking about is relationships and when we do relationships, this is the mystery. This is what you're gonna see. There's a mystery. This is what scripture says. It's a mystery that when relationships are done right, the world sees Jesus. That's the mystery, right? Like you really can't explain it, but if we do it right, the world will see Jesus. So if you have a Bible, turn to John. We're gonna be looking at the first scriptures, John 13, 34 through 35. 
And this is a place where Jesus is at the end of his life, and at the end of his life, he's giving these final commands, right? So these final commands of like, this is what I want you to do, this is how I want you to live, these are the things that are gonna be really important to uh, to you, these are the things that you need to keep in the forefront of your mind. And so Jesus is sitting down with his disciples like we would, and this is what I love to do. I love to go back to like, you're at the end, if you had to condense it all, what would you say? Right, so this is what he says in John 13, starting in verse 34. He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. Now, this is pretty significant, so I don't wanna miss this. For Jesus to say that there is a new command, that's a big deal, right? Like, there were the commandments that all of the Jewish people knew, and so for Jesus to come and say, well, I got something that's new, I'm just gonna add into it. For the audience, they would've been like, wait, 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 wait. Can you add a command? Can you, can you add, you know, can you bring these things in? But here's what Jesus was trying to get to. Jesus was trying to get to, there's all these commands and people try to follow the rules and you think by following the rules, right? Because back to what does the world see compared to what we see? A lot of people are like, well, people will come to know Christ because I follow all the rules, right? Like I'm good, like I'm a good person. Well, again, Sometimes, I mean, I hate to say this, but sometimes people that don't know Jesus are way better than you and me, right? Like, you can say that you follow all the rules, but honestly, when the world looks at them, and, I, and I've heard this from people, I would much rather hang out with that person that doesn't know Jesus, because when I hang out with that person, it's not good, right? So we know that following the rules, so we know we're supposed to. We know we're supposed to come, become holy. We know we're supposed to follow the commandments. But when it comes to this separation, like this is what he's trying to get to with the disciples, what's going to separate, separate us? He says this, right? Here's what's going to separate you. What's going to separate you is that you love people like I loved you. Now, what does that mean, right? Now, think about this for a second. Who did Jesus pick to follow, right? So when Jesus picked his disciples, which was gonna be the plan to make sure that when he died that this message would keep getting carried on. So it's a pretty good, you better pick the right people, right? And so in that, right, you have to think through this. If you, if you were a leader, right, and you wanted to expand your business, you would probably wanna pick the right people to be able to carry on your business, right? Here's what Jesus knew, and this is what, the, and, and how he picked his people and how it's important to us. You know how he picked people? Not based upon who they are, but who they could become. That's how he picked Peter. Like, think about it. So when he picked Peter, right, Cephas, right, when he picked Cephas, Peter, one of the people in his inner circle, like, the, he was not, obviously, he was not the highest-ranking Jew at the time that had the most influence, right? He was a fisherman, right? He was somebody that got rejected by the rabbis, somebody that wasn't allowed to be in the hierarchy of religion, but Jesus picked him because he knew two things. He knew his heart, and Jesus knew this. Jesus never went with an expectation box to the people that he asked to follow. Does that make sense? So Jesus never went to Peter with the idea that if you, if I do, you'll do, or if you do, I'll do. You know what he went to him with? Like, he set this aside because think about this. If you were Jesus, would your hopes and dreams to come to an earth where everybody's nutty, spits on you, uh, kills you, and hangs you on a cross? Would you be like, please, somebody sign me up for that? Right? Would anybody? No, he set this aside 
right? And he said this, you know what, I, what I'm going to do? I'm gonna come alongside of you, and here's what I know. I'm gonna walk a journey with you, and the reason that I'm in relationship with you is because I see who God made you to be. So I'm gonna walk a journey with you with this idea, for you to become the best version of yourself that God created you to be. Not that he would get anything back, because think about this. Did he get anything back from his disciples? Other than them never getting it? Like how many times did he say, hey, I teach this thing all the time. What's wrong with you guys? Are you idiots? Right? Like I talk about these, these things all the time and you never get it. Or I say, these are the things I want you to do and you never get it. He went to him, not whether or not he would get it. He went to them with this idea. I'm going to be in relationship with you so that I can help you become more like Jesus or more like me or more like what God wants you to be. So I'm just gonna be in relationship with you with not an expectation of what I get, but what I can help you become. Now, does that flip the script a little bit? Like, are we in relationships, right? When we approach relationships, are we, re are we approaching a relationship with the ideas like, listen, if I don't get anything re in return, if you never love me well, if you never serve me well, if you never do any of these things, I'm still gonna sacrifice my entire life for you. Is that what we do? Are we still in this? Like That's not how we approach a relationship, right? So what's gonna set you apart? That we love one another as Christ has loved us. And when we start doing this, this is what it says. It goes on and says, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So this is what he's telling us. If you come into relationships, whether it's your friend relationships, work relationships, people around you relationships, without the idea of transactional relationship, you are going to show a love, and you know what the mystery is going to be? When you show somebody love, not expecting anything in return, guess what's going to happen? God's going to do something to their heart that nobody else can do. Right? Like God's gonna be able to do something because you chose to approach it in a completely different way. Now, here's the idea. So then that commandment that, that Jesus gives to all of his disciples at the time that he wants them to carry on. So now every time, this is important. So every time that you read in the Bible about relationships, whether it's Peter writing, whether it's Paul writing, in all of these writings that you see, whether it's John writing, when he talks about relationships, he's always referring back to this, the new command, right? So the new command is love one another as Jesus Christ has loved us, which means it's not conditional, it's sacrificial, we go into all these places. And so when uh, Paul writes in Ephesians 5, that's what we're gonna look at now. So when he writes in Ephesians 5, he's writing from this perspective. Okay, now let's put it to test when it comes to your marriage relationship, right? So let's put it to the test when it comes to, so this idea, back to what John said, love one another as Christ has loved you. Now let's put it into a perspective of how should you approach marriage. So if you're not married yet, you need to understand this principle so that you don't walk into a marriage and end up saying, well, this isn't working. Well, you know why it isn't working? Because the person that you chose to date did not love people like Christ loved him or her. Does that make sense, single people? Like when you're dating? Is there anybody single in this place? But you see what I'm saying, right? Like the idea is a lot of times we get into this and we read this verse and you know what everybody says? 
Well, this will never work. Well, you know why it never works? Because the person you're dating today does not love people, does not love you without transaction, right? They can love you, right? They can love you well. They can, this is true, like they can love you, but as soon as the box transaction, that stuff gets shifted, guess what happens to love? Anybody have a guess? When you can't fulfill their expectations, single people, what's gonna happen when that person, if you walk into that relationship and they have expectations and you can't fulfill them, let me tell you what they'll do. I'll, you ready for this? They'll fake their way through it until you can get married. Anybody who's like, I'm married, I, like they were never like that when we were dating. Nobody's ever had that, right? Like when I was, when I was dating a man, they were just, seemed like nothing was transactional, it seemed like nothing, you know, and then you got married and they're like, here you go. I didn't know if you knew this or not, but this is what I need from you. And I'm just saying, we can figure that out, not based upon, here's, here's single people, you ready for a tip? Not how they treat you, because they can fake that pretty well, how they treat other people. If you wanna know, watch what they do with other people. Watch how they're in a relationship with other people. See whether or not they're sacrificially loving other people in that way. Because again, you can kind of get by if like you're in close relationship. Like you can fake it for a while till you can get by those things. So the idea with this is, so in marriage, as single people, we should figure out to love one another. And then when we get into this idea where Paul says like, this is what love is and this is what a marriage relationship would look like, it seems to make sense then because it's what you were doing in all of your life. Right? Because think about this for a second. If you get to this, because guess what we're getting to in Ephesians 5 for anybody that's been in the church for a while, the verse that nobody wants to hear. Wives, you need to submit to your husbands. Right? Husbands, you need to love your wives in these ways. Like nobody wants to hear these things. And you know why? Because you have lived your entire life with this expectation box, and now somebody at the church is blowing up your whole reality. Right? And so you've been doing this your entire life, and then all of a sudden somebody says, well, you want to get married, and when you get married, which is already hard, any married people, isn't marriage already hard? <laughs> marriage is already hard. Now add in a godly marriage that has an expectation that is very difficult, Right? Like you add in those things and it just changes everything. So listen to what he says, Ephesians 5, starting from the beginning. Verse 21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So that you know what he's talking about. He's just going back to from the beginning. Remember what he said in John, love one another, right? This is what both of us should be doing. Love one another as Christ has loved you. So when you go into a relationship, we better start with this foundation. Have they loved people like Christ loved them? So before you even get into what he's talking about marriage, he says, this part has to be right, right? You gotta get this part right, because it says, submit to one another out of what? Is it up there? Out of what? You know why you're gonna submit to one another? And I'll give you a little precursor, not because they're worth submitting to. You know why you're gonna to submit to them? 
because you made a decision a long time ago that as a Christian, you were going to live different when it came to relationships. So out of reverence and obedience to Christ, I'm gonna go into a relationship completely differently. Because let's just think about this. Is anybody worthy of submission other than Jesus? I mean, when you, seriously, we're all flawed, you know, human beings. So this doesn't even make any sense when you look at it from that perspective. So he says, this is the part that's gotta be right. Now, here's what he does. Verse 22, so now he says this to the wives. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. His body, uh, his body of which he is the savior. Now the church submits to Christ, so also wives submit to their husbands in everything. The verse that nobody wants to hear or nobody wants to listen to, and I get it. You know why, you know why it's hard? Guys, I'm gonna just give you a little insight into this, and, and ladies, I think you probably already know this. You know why it's hard when people read these scripture verses and it says that you need to submit to your husband? You know why it's difficult? They don't trust you with their box. Wives, come on, support me a little bit. Because you have a way you want your kids raised. You have a way you want your money done. You have a way that you want your house to be. You have a way that you want, don't you wives? Right? And, and you're trusting that that guy that can't pick his shoes off the floor or pick his trash up, that you're gonna give him the box and you're gonna be like, I trust you and submit to everything that you do. Right? Like, who trusts them? Right? That's the that's difficult thing because when you, we look at this, they're like, well, Scripture just says you need to be able to submit to your husband. And, and wives are thinking like, you're going to screw my kids up, our house up, our money up, our family up, and everything else. And so, you know what? Like, I get it. I love the Lord. I do love the Lord. I do love the Lord. I just don't trust you. Because <laughs> I think you're going to screw it all up. So this concept, right, this concept, is difficult, especially when you were dating somebody that didn't model sacrificial love to you. Isn't that gonna make them harder to trust? It's gonna make them harder to trust because what you're going to see in all of this is if I give up, ladies, I think this is, you don't wanna admit this, but you wanna be in control, and I get it. We're not always the way that we should be. And if you leave it up to us, we might mess the whole thing up, right? Like, I get that. Like, I understand those things. But those are the things that we should work out, right, in our dating relationship. What we should work out is not whether or not, right, think about this, not whether or not your husband is going to screw your children up someday, or whether or not your husband is going to screw up your finances, or whether your husband's going to screw up, you know what you should work out? Does your husband love people the way Christ loved the church? Because if he does, you can probably trust him with your box. Now, is he still gonna mess it up? That's just who we are. Like, we mess it all up. But that's okay. You know why? Because if we love the Lord, we can make it right, and we can have forgiveness, and we can move on, and we can figure it out, even when we don't always get it right. But it's so hard to submit because we don't trust, and part of the reason we don't trust is we might have seen a man that treats me well, but does not love me 
or love people as Christ loved us. That's the foundation. That's the thing that's going to be different. So that's why when, we're, when you're dating, guys, when you're dating girls, you know what we should be focusing on? That. Because then the rest of this stuff, so for a man, we're gonna see this here in a second. For a man who is in love with the Lord, you know what he's gonna do? He's gonna help every one of your hopes and dreams come true, even if you don't expect it. That's what a man who loves the Lord does. I'm gonna do everything I can to help your hopes and your dreams come true. Like when you get the first part, right, the next part is just, I don't say it's like perfect, but it's more natural, right, for those things to happen. So when it says, wives, submit to your husbands, the other part of it is, so think about this, wives, how hard is it? Because even if we're like halfway decent, it's still difficult to give up control. Why would he want you to submit to your husband? Ever think about this? Like from a relationship standpoint, because this is, this is honestly a test. Wives, you know what kind of a test this is? The question is, I get it, maybe you don't trust your husband, but who do you trust? Because when you give up control, you have to put your faith in something, right? Because you can't do it like this. This is probably how you want to do it. Okay. I'll give you this box on a trial period. Do it right or I'm taking that sucker back. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I think that, like, you can't do that. What you got to do is say, I'm going to give it. And when I give it, I'm going to have to go over here. And ladies, tell me if this is right. I'm going to have to spend a lot of time with the Lord. Ladies, if you give up control, you will be on your knees, right? And this is the test, right? This is the idea. This is the concept. This isn't about who's going to be an authority and who's going to lord it over and who makes all the decisions and who does. It's a relationship test to model or to figure out who, ladies, do you trust, Because if you trust the Lord, I want you to think about this, as stubborn and stupid as your husband is, who can change him? Can you? Some of you are like, heck no, I've been trying for years. <laughs> Be honest, right? Like who really changes the heart of your husband? You can't do it. Only God can change the heart of your husband. No matter what you do, God's gonna be the only one. So the submission piece in all of this is not only to show to the world, like it doesn't make sense, because you know a lot of people be like, you're submitting to your husband, I'd never submit to that sucker, right? Or you're gonna trust your husband, I would never trust. Like I never trust my own husband. So what's different in the world? Like this, yeah, I trust him. And I don't trust him because he's gonna do it all right. I trust him because I serve a Lord that raised people from the dead. He can surely change my husband. That's why I'm trusting him, right? That's why I'm gonna put my faith in him. That's why this is so important from a relationship standpoint that we get this stuff right. Now, he doesn't just leave it there. He obviously goes on and says in verse uh, 28, uh, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own body, uh, wait, no, 
Husband ought to love their wives, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy cleansing by washing her with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Now, why is it so hard for a man to love his wife like Christ loved the church? Okay, here's the thing that I want you to think about because here's part of our problem. It might not be your problem, but I've seen this problem with the church. You know what is so hard sometimes is that we can't get over. Well, you know, Scripture says, like you get in a meeting with your wife and you sit down with her and you guys are having problems, you know, and you sit down and you're like, well, you know, listen, honey, you know what Scripture says, right? You should be submitting. I mean, I don't know if you knew this or not, but if you don't read the, other, the first half, we can't do the second half, right? Come on, man, you get hung up on this idea of like, well, listen, my job as a spiritual leader of the home is to make you submit. No, that scripture wasn't written to you and it's not your job. Your job is not to lord over your wife her submission. Submission was something between her and God and the understanding of that relationship. It's not our job to make sure they behave. And so because of that, we miss all of what we're supposed to be doing. You know what we're supposed to be doing? We're supposed to be sitting down saying, you know what? I love to work and I love hunting and I love cars and I love money and I love these things. But you know what I love more than that? You. And you know what my job is? Do you know the best way I can show my love to my wife? Further her relationship with Jesus Christ so she can become the woman that God created her to be. That's what it says. Not love her so she can be happy. Heck, I know how that goes with women. <laughs> Not you, honey, but... I... <laughs> True? I mean, you could be doing it. It could still be going. Like, that's just the way that it works. My job is to love her through her relationship and growing with Christ. That's my job. When it says to love, that's how I'm supposed to show my love. Leading my wife spiritually to help her become the person that God has created her to be. That's what I'm supposed to love her. Right, because... When we go on and he says this, because I think we skip over that one and we get to this one because it makes more sense, right? Uh, husbands, love your wives as Christ, love the church, and you know, we need to, to make her more holy and to help her in her, in, in her walk. But then we go to verse 28. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He loves uh, his wife, uh, that he loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but fed it and cared for their own body, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. Honestly, guys, I think we get this one right all the time. Like, I think if when we look at this, we're like, our job is to, to feed our wives like we feed our bodies, so I'm just gonna work and never be home. I mean, I'm, a, like, I'm admitting that's me. Right, like that for me personally, however, you know what I grew up in my box? Your family should never go without. You know what that meant to me? Money. You know what it should have meant to me? Go without me. You know what my family should never go without? Me. 
You know, my kids should never go without me. You can give them everything you want to give them in the world, and if you don't give them you, it's going to be a wreck. Guys, right? Come on. I mean, I don't think I'm the only person that in their life thought, but at least I'm, you know, like our argument back to never, like not getting these things right, but I, but I work and I provide and the kids want to do, so all you kids keep draining my bank account, so I didn't have to do more, right? Like it's your fault that I'm never home. Right? Like we think that that's right, but, I, but the thing that we need to remember is that, that yes, we need to give back to, we need to take care of, but don't forget the best gift that you could ever give your wife, your friends, or the people around you is you being present, right? Those are the things that we need to be able to have. Then he goes on and says this in verse 31, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and his wife must respect her husband. This is the profound mystery. So the worship team, you guys can come back up, and we'll finish with this. This is the profound mystery that he's talking about. In our relationships, specifically Paul's talking about in marriage, but in general, you'll see this in Scripture. The mystery is this. If we do relationships right, Right, And if we, if we go down these roads and we model what relationships are right, the world is gonna take notice and the world's gonna wonder, the world's gonna have a change of heart of who Jesus is. But specifically, let's just focus on this for a second. Specifically, he says this. In your marriage, done right, the world, it's a profound mystery, right? We can't even explain it. Done right, Without a word of evangelism, a marriage with God at the center will bring people to Jesus. Isn't that weird? Like that thought? Like that concept is a profound mystery that our best evangelism could be our marriage. Like our best evangelism to the world isn't probably going to be preaching on Sunday morning probably isn't going to be Sunday school. Like for your kids, think about this for a second. You know what probably one of the biggest effects or one of the biggest uh, things that can affect the, the, your kids coming to know Jesus Christ is probably your marriage and what they see. And I get it. Right, like sometimes it just doesn't work and I'm not condemning any of those things, but I'm just saying somehow through relationships, God says when it can be right, when you can get it right, that there's something that God can do, right? That that can't happen anywhere else. Like we can evangelize and we can do, and and again, for, for everybody that's been through those things, we can still show Jesus Christ, but what is it about marriage? So here's the, the first principle to think about. Your marriage, right, and the way that your marriage goes can be a witness into the world. And so the question you need to ask yourself, is it? Is your marriage a witness into the world? And if it's not, what needs to change, right? It's okay. Like if your relationships aren't right, what needs to change? What are the things that need to be different? Here's the other one. Your marriage, if you don't know this, is kind of a laboratory to grow each one of you closer to God. Right, like when you're in a relationship, and, and I think that it only gets tested at this level inside of marriage, but your marriage is a test, right? Is a laboratory 
to make you more like Christ. Where else, where else, think about this if you're honest, where else is true forgiveness exhibited on a daily basis other than a marriage? I know some of you that have the perfect marriage, you never have to forgive each other, but for the rest of us, for the rest of us, this is a daily thing. I'm sorry, I know I'm not. And, and that forgiveness, right, that love that you can get, those, those things that happen in there, it's a laboratory, like to change who we are. Where else in the world, right, where else in the world at the core of its level, are you gonna have to not give up on your hopes and dreams, but love in a way that they might be put on hold? And that you're gonna have to exhibit a faith that God still sees you, that God still hears you, that God is still with you in the process, right? In the process of all of those things. And so in this, this is my hope, so when it comes back to how should we live different, what should look different with us, I mean, our relationships, right? Start with the box, have hopes, have dreams, allow God to, to expand your territory when it comes to those things. But kids, listen to me for a second. If you've turned those hopes and dreams into expectations and if you don't change that, it's gonna set yourself up for failure long-term. Have hopes and dreams, don't turn them into expectations. When your expectations don't get met, you're gonna be continually disappointed for the rest of your life. That's just the way that it works. In friendships and marriage relationships, if we can walk into this with this idea that we will love one another as Christ loved us, which means this, I will love even if I get nothing in return. That's the way I'm gonna love. And when we do that, this is his promise, the world will know that Jesus Christ is Lord. We stand so I can pray for you. Heavenly Father, we're thankful to be in this room together, Lord, to be challenged in the way that we do relationships, challenged in the way that, that um, we look at our relationships with people. Lord, I pray today that um, if we've given up on our hopes and dreams because we've been in a relationship where they've been crushed, Lord, we still need hopes and dreams. Lord, don't bring, the, bring those back. Keep those in that box, Lord. That's, that's what you've called us to do and to be. Lord, I pray in every relationship with you're in, whether we're dating, whether you're not dating, whether it's just friendship relationships, whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you've been divorced, whether you're having a rough spot, at the end of the day, can we start with this? Lord, can we learn to love like you loved us? And then we're gonna trust you with our box. We're gonna trust you with all of our fears, all of our failures, all of our brokenness, all of our past, and everything that you have for us in the future. And we trust you, Lord. We love you. In your name we pray, amen.